Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane, and today we are going to talk all things marriage. I have Deanna Bryant in the fast lane with me today, and she is the mastermind behind Re- Revive Your Midlife Marriage. So, welcome, Deanna, into the fast lane with me today. Thank you, Sarah Jane. I'm delighted to be here. So I'm excited because, well, first of all, I'm not um, to the point where my kids are moving out. And I know that um, anyone who looks at your website, you talk about, you know, your midlife marriage, like you get married, you have kids, and now the kids are gone. And what do we do? But before we get into that, I want to know, how did you start saving people's marriages? How did you get into this? You know, it's funny. Um, I've been in education forever. And um I guess about five years ago, um, my kids weren't out of the home, but they were all independent doing their own thing. And so it was back to my husband and me the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. And there was just this huge disconnect. And, you know, there was a lack of intimacy. We weren't really talking because all these years, all we did was manage the schedules, build careers, uh, take care of the kids. And it wasn't that we intentionally grew apart. It just kind of happened. And it happens in good marriages. So we began five years ago to learn some skills because, you know, you come into marriage, how many of us really know how to sustain love and relationship when we come into marriage very few there's no training there's no classes um and what happens is couples get married start having problems go to a counselor or a therapist and then they learn skills after they're already having problems it happens it happens most of the time so i thought here i am in midlife what am i going to do with the rest of my life i want to do something different And I had a mentor friend say, well, what are you really passionate about? And I thought, really helping other women like me at my age that want something different in their marriage. It's not that they hate their husband, Mm -hmm. although they might at this point, (laughs) or that they want necessarily to be out of the marriage, but they know something is wrong, but all they see is the problem. They don't know what the solution is. So I thought I can share my experience, strength, and hope with other women. So I went back to coaching school. I went to the Gottman Institute and studied relationships and launched my own business to help other women. Wow. Okay. I think that is great. And I think anyone listening has either heard or said, yeah, I bet they'll get divorced after the kids leave. Mm -hmm. And it happens. I mean... When you look at the statistics of divorce, the percentage of midlife marriages and divorces has really increased more than other age groups. Now, does that mean that, that, you know, midlife marriage, everybody's getting a divorce? No, but when you look at how many are out there, that group is really having a lot more divorce. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are saying, well, it's because that generation, you know, they, their parents stayed together, uh, you know, their generation stayed together, no matter what, it was a commitment, even if it was disastrous. And here you have this new generation coming through and they're saying, 
I don't want to do that. Um, but I think there are solutions that we just don't know we can try before we shuck it, you know, mm -hmm. because you get to that point, you, well, I just have no feelings. I just don't love this person anymore. Or infidelity comes up mm -hmm. um, in midlife a lot. And it's not just men, it's women as well, because here they've grown apart, they've become different people. And then they're looking how to connect with other people with this newfound self. Um, so that's why it was so big to me to work with midlife women because of the divorce rate that's going on in our age group. So right now, I have, I have, my children are 10, seven, and three. And for years and years and years, I have made date night a priority or like if we can go on a vacation with some friends, like, and I'm a little on the dramatic side and I, I'm a lot. Like, I know that I'm overwhelming because I'll say stuff like, I'm just trying to save our marriage. And my <laughs> husband will say, there's nothing wrong with our marriage. And I'll say, well, maybe not now, but if we don't do things together now, what's going to happen later? And he, I know he thinks I'm crazy, but, and I will, we'll get to the point where like for a while, the rule was when we would go on a date, Right now, we usually go on a date night with some friends, but when we're by ourselves, I would make ridiculous rules and I'd say, we cannot talk about the kids and we're pretending we're dating. So you ask me about my job or what I do for fun or whatever. I want it to just be about us. And my husband's like, I don't like this role playing stuff. And I said, I don't like the thought of we just go through the motions because we live on autopilot a lot of the time you know we get up in the morning and we make breakfast and you put the pan here and you have the eggs and you know everything is just it, it, there's a isn't there a Mary Chapin Carpenter song it's like everything is so fine you know until it's not mm -hmm. exactly and what you're I think you're so smart oh, because because if you are already doing those things and being proactive chances are you're not going to get to that point. Good. But if you don't, I promise that's what's going to happen. And that's what I would say to, to younger married couples is if you do it now, you get to midlife and without the kids and you're going to be better off. Now you say it drives your husband crazy because you're dramatic. <laughs> do you know that relationship issues, 80% of them, are brought up by women because women are the relationship engineers. They are relational. Yeah. It's society. It's the way we're brought up. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that's not bad. I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. That we are the ones that kind of push the relationship along. And if we're not careful, it will fall apart. Mm -hmm. And because men are not raised to be relational. They just don't know how, you know, and it's, it's a part of that communication. And it's so good that you're communicating with your husband. I don't want to be this way. Mm -hmm. I don't want us to get there because those are the conversations that need to happen. It's not that you're being dramatic or that you're a lot or you're needy. You're caring about the union. It's not just about you. And that's what couples have to do. It can't be about just me. It has to be about us. It's about us. Mm -hmm. So you're doing the right thing. 
Good. Because I look at it as we, you know, we were married for five years before we had kids. So we were together for a normal, you know, a good amount of time that we, right. We put that foundation, but there's times now where his mom or his sister will say something to me. And I'm like, oh yeah, I had no idea because we don't talk about that kind of stuff because it's usually just about the kids. Mm -hmm. But when it's on date night, again, we're not usually talking about other people. We talk Mm -hmm. about ourselves. So I find it, and I think anyone can relate, either you've known someone or you've heard um, of people in a bad relationship. And I, I just said this the other day, I said, I will not be in a bad relationship because that is not what I want for myself. And I don't think that's good for my kids. When, when people say that, do you think that's demanding? Or do you think it is very important to set your boundaries and set your goals? So your partner knows, because we can't read each other's minds. Mm -mm. No, I do think, I think you have to communicate And this is something I do with women, and it's an exercise I have them do with their spouses. That is sharing your need for what you want out of the relationship. And your needs, individual needs and wants for your marriage are valid, and they need to be listened to and attended. Same thing with your husband. He has needs. They may not be the same as yours. However, If you consciously try to understand those needs, you love each other enough to say, I don't have that need, but if that's your need, you know what? I want to step up to the plate because I love you. No, I don't think it's too much to say, if you don't meet me here in this relationship and we can't both find a healthy relationship and you've done everything you need to do, no. I wouldn't stay in a marriage like that. Absolutely not. Because life is too short to be miserable. Mm -hmm. And that's the person you're going to be spending the majority of your life with. (laughs) Right. It's hard enough when you love them crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. So what are you telling people? um, What are you telling people earlier on in their marriage? Like when their kids are young, what is your best advice to them to make sure we don't get to this point where I I just can't stand you. I I need something different. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, something you said, when you go out on dates with couples or alone, do not talk about the kids. That is what my husband and I did. We talked about the kids, what was going on, what we foresaw going on in their lives. Are we going to have a problem with this one? This one's having a problem. How are we going to deal with this? That was the whole conversation. It was ridiculous because you know what? We got to where we had no idea what to talk about anymore. We didn't know how to date. All we knew how to be is parents. Mm -hmm. So for younger couples, I would say, I love your idea. I think it's a great one. We're on a date. We don't know everything about each other. Let's talk. Because you think because you're married and living with someone every day, you know everything there is about them. But how often do we change year after year? We grow, we evolve. And if you're not staying in touch with those things, you'll lose that connection. What are the fears that you're having now that you used to not have? Have your dreams changed? What are you feeling about our relationship? 
even questions like, what do you love about me? That seems so crazy to say, but I have a really good younger friend and they have this ritual they do when they go on dates, not every time, but they have to share with each other what they love about each other. And it's something she asked for. I like that. And they do it. And she says, you know, when we do this, I just want to go have uh, go home and have sex with him. <laughs> and I thought, now, what man would not be interested in that outcome? <laughs> Absolutely. It's so funny. So, and, and also um, talking about what your needs and wants are and not sucking it up. You know, we'll suck it up living behind what's going on in the house and taking Mm -hmm. care of the kids. And it's easy to give the silent treatment and ignore problems by hiding behind the busyness of the children. Mm -hmm. Really easy, but you can't do that. You've got to make that time. And I, I really think every day you've got to give without the kids at least 10 minutes of connection. If it's just 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, Get the kids doing something. Let's sit down. Hey, what's going on with you today? How was your day? And and truly getting to that part of sharing. Uh, a lot of times men will say, that's fine. So what happened? You know, a lot of women will say, well, my husband just won't talk to me. Sometimes you have to ask the powerful questions to get it out of them. Right. You really do. But I was the woman that said, fine. Okay, it was a fine day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need to be asked, well, what was fine about it? Or tell me what fine is. Mm-hmm. And just to keep going, especially with somebody who's not used to opening up, mm-hmm. you got to talk about the conflicts as they arise. You really do. If you don't handle each conflict as it arises, these are mistakes I made as a young person in marriage. If you don't handle them one thing at a time, it is going to build a mountain of resentment. And then you're going to get to, to midlife and you're going to be like, there's so much water under this bridge. It's just not working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't put it. You think you can ignore it, ignore it and put it aside, but our body keeps the score. I mean, that's a book and it talks about what goes on in us really is stored in our bodies it's going to come out sideways one way or the other, maybe five years from now, 10 years, 20 years, if it's not handled at the time, it's like a festering wound. So I'm glad that you said that because I'll have some people will say, well, we never fight. We've never had an argument. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, well, we've had plenty. And then I'm also thinking, but that's not good because then someone's Mm -hmm. always giving in or giving up because there's no way, no matter how compatible you are, you do not think the same on everything. It just doesn't happen. What do you say? No, no. Okay. So my husband and I didn't fight. We never fought. We just sucked it up. And went about our business, busyness, work, take care of the kids. We both came from very volatile, emotional families. So that was our family of origin. So what neither of us wanted to do was face conflict. Mm -hmm. It was frightening to us 
to bring up issues for fear that it would be explosive and ugly. So we brought that into our marriages or our marriage. And I really believe that the only way you can really develop intimacy and understanding of one each one another is by arguing if you do it well. Mm-hmm. If you argue well, if you have conflict, if you have disagreements, if you handle it well, you will get to know your partner better. But there are certain skills you have to do and and you can't face it. You can't go to the table with criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and you can't shut each other out. And if you do any of those chances are it's going to shut down that deep connection and communication anyway. Mm -hmm. But you know, when you have those arguments, really, if you do it well, it's a chance for you to get to know each other better. Mm -hmm. So I think arguing is great as long as you do it well. As long as it's healthy. Yeah. Right. I like how you said that it's important to tell each other your needs and wants because that's going to change from year to year. I mean, that might change Mm -hmm. from month to month. So we can't Mm -hmm. really expect, I mean, sometimes maybe we don't even know what we want until we're Mm -hmm. asked what we want. Yes. And that's true. You know, sometimes we can be, especially, um, especially if we grew up kind of as neglected children, maybe our parents, one or other parent has, Uh, maybe not been emotionally or physically present. We really grow up as needless, wantless children. We don't even know. And you're right. If no one has taught you, and this happens, we're not taught to look at, hey, what do you need and want? I mean, other than I want a new pair of shoes or I want a dress. No, I'm talking about the stuff that's internal. What do you need and want? And we're not taught that our needs are valid. Mm -hmm. We just think, well, if I tell them what I need, what will they think of me? Will I be, will I appear weak? Um, What if I don't get what I need? Am I asking too much? Do I really deserve it? I mean, we don't, we don't say those things, but those are messages we have in our heads. Mm-hmm. Do I really deserve this? Is this need okay? And we give value to the need and in saying, instead of saying, this is my need. Mm-hmm. And when, when an exercise I do is, I think I mentioned this, but I didn't go through with it, is a husband and wife sits down and once they have their need list, they, the wife will read it to the husband. And he asks any questions about needs that she says that he doesn't understand and she can clarify it. And then you ask, is there anything there you feel that you can't help me with or that we can't work on? And if he says, you know, that one's going to be tough for me, or I really don't know how to do that. Then that's a conversation. And then you do the reverse the same. Okay. So here, here's something that comes up a lot. The husband wants to have sex more than the wife. That's his need. She really doesn't want to have sex. Her need is I need a break. I'm either with the kids or all day, or, you know, I'm just, 
overwhelmed with work. I'm tired. I come home from work. All I do is clean up and take care of things. And I don't want to have sex. So here's these two different needs that are in opposition to each other. What's, what's supposed to happen there? Well, then that's the, comp- that's the conversation of where can we meet in the middle? Mm-hmm. And he needs sex five days a week. Should she give up to that to meet his needs? No. She doesn't want to have sex. Should she ignore his need? No. So what can we do? We come in the middle. I can agree that can we have sex two days a week? Is that okay? Can you agree to that? Then he comes back. Yeah, I can do that. And then you, you have there met each other's needs. Not exactly, but we're, we're not going to meet every need our spouse has. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you meet in the middle somewhere there. Now, if you're asking your husband to make you feel happy or your husband to give you something that's really an internal thing, you have to be careful of that. Because if your need is for your relationship or your husband to make you feel better, that's not going to work. So some of those needs you need to really consider, am I putting my self-esteem, am I putting my worth into my husband meeting needs that really I should be taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sitting down and talking about those needs is a great way to come to a place of working so that you both feel heard and seen. That's what the conversation is about. So if a person make, let's say you make up a list of 10 things, you bring the list to the table, you're going through them and you both agree like you're gonna work on these 10 things let's say one of the one of the partners does not live up to at least five of them, you know, routinely mm-hmm. over a month, Do you sit down and have that discussion again, how much time are you giving a person? What's the grace period until you're like, you know, my needs are just not being met here. Mm-hmm. This is a lot more work than I, I signed up for. Mm-hmm. What, what I do is you work on it for one month. Then you come back with your lists and you talk about it. You go over your list and you talk about how you feel the other one did. It's, a, it's an honest evaluation of each other. And you take the time to talk about what about that need is hard for you. Is there something that needs to be done differently? And you're both talking about this yourself, yourself or, or between you two. Now, if you are, you are doing your best and your spouse, you come back in a month, he's kind of halfway doing it. You come back. I mean, I wouldn't quit after a month. I would try to do it for at least three months and evaluate it every three months, no matter what, no matter how well it's going or how bad it's going. After that three month mark, if you've got a spouse that is just not getting with the program, doesn't care, is not putting any effort, you've got a different decision altogether. And that is you either leave the relationship or you accept it and move on. Your only choices because you can't change someone who is not willing to meet you and try to meet those relationship needs you need, you have. Do you, you think that marriage, 
is each person is, you know, you hear a lot of times marriage is 50, 50, but, and then you hear other people say marriage is a hundred, a hundred, where do you, do you think it's a hundred, a hundred? Like we give as, you know, we give as much as we can, or do you think that's a little much? I think it's a hundred and hundred because if I'm not giving my hundred percent and I'm just giving 50%, then I'm just halfway doing it. Now, does that mean I give 100% of my life? No, it's the relationship. Here's my marriage and it's important to me. I mean, think about it this way, raising your kids. Would you just give them 50%? Good, good point. No, you would give them 100%. Mm-hmm. Every parent wants to give 100%. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at it that this marriage is just as important as your relationship with your children. Mm-hmm. And it has to have a hundred percent too. You don't have to give yourself away. You don't have to lose yourself in the relationship, but you give your 100% effort to that. So I do think it's a hundred hundred. I always think that it's important for us to show uh, what a good relationship is. And let's say we have an argument in front of our kids I will, I will always try to like tone it down a little bit. I like my husband's more of a loud talker. So even if he's talking, it sounds like he's yelling when he's not, you know? And so I'll be like, all right, let's just tone it down a little bit because I don't want my kids to think like we yell at people or, you know, I mean, I can be a yeller. Like if the, if their rooms aren't clean and I've said it five times, mom's yelling, but they're watching everything that we do. And we kind of set the stage for that. Right. Mm -hmm. We do. And, and I think it's funny that you said that um, about, you know, arguing of your kids. We never argued in front of our kids, but this is the other thing. Kids pick up on the silence. Yeah. They really do. And they know something's not right. Yeah. And they pick up on the tension. Um, my kids would figure out when my husband and I would be sitting in different rooms or um, I'm bad about facial expressions and they could tell on my face that I was irritated or I would secret, I would, you know, do the when I was frustrated with something he said, they would pick up on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think having, you know, certainly have to weigh your words but we can also mirror to our kids that we can have words of conflict right. without being ugly. Right. Because we have it with them. They're going to have it with their siblings. And right. to pretend that you and your husband never have anything in the crosshairs is a lie to them. Yeah. And then they don't see the truth of the relationship. They think, oh, to be in a marriage you always have to agree because they're never seeing you have conflict. You're just hiding it. Mm -hmm. And that's not healthy either. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, you know, and I'm a yeller too, (laughs) by the way, I'm the yeller. My kids will say it. I'm the yeller. Mom's screaming again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what, I mean, but sometimes it's warranted. Like sometimes we just need you to listen and you know that we're serious, but when we know, and we all do, we all know the people who are not happy in their marriage and they're seriously staying together for their kids. And I am not a relationship expert. And I have said many times, well, is that really the best? Because now you have two kids, like you have your kids seeing 
you, one kid, two kids, five kids, it doesn't matter. You have the kids seeing this not healthy relationship. So now are we going to lay that kind of foundation? Like, yep, you get married, you're not happy. You don't sleep in the same room. You know what I mean? Like you don't do anything socially together. What kind of effects could that have um, on a child? Well, well, I think that Kids figure out if you're miserable, they know the health of the relationship. At at some point, they get to the point that they know whether it's a good marriage or not, whether you've ever said it, Mm -hmm. no matter what they know, there is an energy in a home that is brought about by the relationship between the husband and wife, the mother and the father. And I think if you stay and give that example of staying in a marriage when you are miserable, it will do one of two things. They'll think that misery is just part of marriage and they'll never get married or they'll avoid committed relationships or they'll think, you know, I don't want that. I'm just forget it. If that's what marriage is, I don't want it. Or they go to the opposite extreme And they're searching constantly for the right partner and the right marriage. And, and they're, they're seeking something that isn't necessarily realistic, but they're wanting the opposite of what they've seen in their, they want all the excitement and the romance. And that's all great too. Mm -hmm. That also is not reality. So it's a confusing things for kids to see an unhappy couple and then kind of take that image into their ideal of what marriage is Mm -hmm. it's just unhealthy for them so no I mean I think unhealthy relationships and staying for their kids um you know a lot of midlife marriage uh, married couples that's why they get divorced is they stay together for the kids and then somehow or another um once the kids are out they're not going to do any you know it's it's we're done and I'm thinking to myself the kids knew this was stinking a long time ago. Right. So why have you stuck it out this long? You've not you done them any favors. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, life is- Why would you waste your time? Yep. Um, so where and how can you help people? So if anyone listening to this is thinking, I need help with my marriage before I get to this point, or if anyone is thinking, I am at this point now, how can you help them? Sure. I have a one-on-one coaching program that is six months long. And what we do is we get together and first we analyze, where are you in your marriage? What's going on? What do you want in your marriage? What is it that you need and want in your marriage? Now, and then we talk. Are you, are you working with one of the, or are you working with both? No, I'm working one-on-one okay. with a woman. And, but okay. this is what happens. Okay. Because she's the one that's going to bring the problem up 99% of the time. So we get together and we talk about what's going on. And then I take back or or I give exercises for her to take back within the relationship for her and her husband to talk about, for her and her husband to do, to work on the relationship. And by doing that, she is able to shift um, and she has to work on herself too, but she is going to kind of be an impetus for change. Now, some people say, well, why do you just work with women? Why don't you work with men? 
Well, first off, it's the relationship engineer that's going to reach out for help first. And by empowering a woman with her self-worth, helping her to see what she needs, then she can be an influencer because we are influencers in our relationship. We bring our influence into a relationship. And so, yeah, it takes two to tango, but it's usually one partner that has to invite the other to the dance. Mm -hmm. And then they work out how they're going to work together. So that's why I started working with women. So it's a six month program. And then um, also, you know, I have the Revive Your Midlife Marriage podcast that I do every week that you can find on your favorite iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Um, And those are two ways that you can get in touch with me. I also offer a free resource on my website. You can go find it there and sign up for it. It's called three. A starter. And I also have a free resource on my website. You can go to my homepage on my website, reviveyourmidlifemarriage.com. And there is a PDF download that you can get three simple steps to cultivate intimacy with your husband. And just put your email address in. You can get the download and that will give you a starting place. Now I signed up for that. Okay. So I have two things I want to make sure I touch on, but when you are doing the one-on-one coaching, are you telling your, um, your client to tell their husband that they are doing this or do you want them to go into this kind of incognito? Oh no, absolutely. They can talk to their husband about what's going on. Um, share, you know, I'm, I'm getting some help. I, I think we need to work on a relationship. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get some skills. Mm-hmm. and some things we can work on. And I would like to bring that back and, and share. And maybe we can work on this together because basically something's wrong. And if we don't fix it, it's not going to get any better. And I really love you. I value this relationship. And I'm going to get some help and help us to get the skills we need mm-hmm. to work on the relationship. And I had, I put my email in to get that download, but I didn't read it. And here's why I didn't want, I usually like to do all that stuff before. And I've listened to your podcast and I enjoy it, but I didn't listen to it because I will have it like, even now when we were talking and I'll say things about my relationship and on the off chance, my husband listens to this, he'll be like, well, why did you say this? Or why did you say that? And I thought (laughs) I better just wait until after I talk with her and then I can look through it and then I can always go back and talk to him about it. But I do, I have a tendency to maybe overshare about that stuff because um, I guess there's a lot of that stuff that I don't find embarrassed. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I need to hide behind it. And granted, not everyone needs to know everything. I totally get that. So I'm looking forward to um, going through that now. Yeah, good. Well, you know what? I, I try not to throw my husband under the bus. But I have talked about things in our relationship and I just shared this last week, a major mistake I made with my 20 year old. I just really screwed up communication altogether and I shared it. So 
I try to be vulnerable without throwing everybody under the bus in my family. (laughs) And I think people can relate really well to that. And now that Mm -hmm. you just said that, when I was listening to your podcast and you were talking about, you know, surrounding yourself with, with friends and if you're around people who are constantly ragging on their husbands, um, and yes, I totally agree. But do you find it is helpful for people to have that maybe one or two girlfriends that they can vent to about their relationship? Like, obviously, if you are talking to everyone about your relationship problems, you have a problem. But do you think it's very important to have a support system to talk about these things, um, to kind of bounce things off? You know, is this normal? Does your husband do this? Does, mm-hmm. Is that absolutely, absolutely. He, but here's the difference. If you're getting together with your girlfriends, and you're just bashing your husbands, and you're really not trying to listen and help each other, support and all you're doing is just tearing it down without kind of helping each other Mm -hmm. find some sort of peace then it's doing you no good Mm -hmm. you know it's not going to do you any good Mm -hmm. because what I feel like with my girlfriends yes I talk to them about things I'm struggling with my real relationship if I'm really mad at my husband I tell them but usually what I'm going to get back is Yeah, I know that happened to me. Well, what did you do about it? Well, then I hear what she did about it. Or if I tell a story and I'm in the wrong, my good girlfriends will say, hey, maybe you could have done it differently. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you could have said this differently. You know, Mm -hmm. so we're looking to help and support each other, Mm -hmm. not just gripe. You know, we can gripe, but What the healthy side of that is, is to look for ways that we can all get better and do better in our relationships. That's what moms do. It's true. And women are more likely to discuss that stuff than guys. Because I have a hard time thinking like if I have an argument here, um, I have a hard time thinking that my husband's going to work and talking to his friends about, oh, my wife didn't do this or, you know, like. And it never happens, but not as frequently. No, I don't think my husband ever says, I had a fight with Deanna and I'm just so frustrated. He does not. And I know he doesn't. Right. I know he doesn't. Yep, it's funny. Well, Deanna, you are encouraging people to live better, uh, do better and be better. And I love it because that's what I try to do here um, in the fast lane with Sarah Jane. So Way to go. I think this was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And so thank you for taking the time today. Thank you, Sarah Jane. It was a delightful experience. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback. So ratings and reviews are appreciated.